morning, and again, I want to say welcome if you're a guest with us this morning. We're so, so excited um, that you're here. And for everyone, I'd, I'd love to invite you back to be part of the sermon series that we'll be starting next week, which I'm uh, excited about. We're going to be uh, looking at the book of Lamentations, which even if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably never even looked at that book before. Um, but it's a book that I think has a lot to, to teach us today. It's an Old Testament book um, that I think just has a lot for us. I think that we live in a world that really denies death, if we're honest. And uh, what the book of Lamentations does is it helps us to think about how we can recognize pain and difficulty and then find ways collectively to move forward. So I'm super excited about that series. It's going to be called How to Grieve. I'd love for you to come and participate. It's going to be, um, I think, morbidly fun uh, because it'll help us um, to, to think about what it looks like to be people who, who grieve well and then are able to move past things and collectively uh, move on. So I hope you can join us next week. Uh, but today we're not talking about grieving uh, because the tomb is empty. Amen. The tomb is empty. It was empty and it still is empty. And we're concluding a series called Pure Joy where we're thinking about the, the joy that Paul writes with. He writes from the to this church that's in Philippi, likely a house church of about 20 people. And in four chapters, he writes joy or rejoicing 13 times. Over and over again, Paul is just saying rejoice, joy, rejoice. And Paul is writing this letter from where? Prison. Thank you. Somebody listened for the last like 20 weeks. Um, somebody got it. Yeah. So he's writing this, this letter from prison and it's just unbelievable how much joy he has. He has this perspective that says somehow there's this like unshakable thing that even though I'm chained up to some stuff, I'm still going to have the joy of God in me. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But before we get there, I want to talk about breathing. Uh, Generally, doctors suggest that humans should ideally breathe the best for energy. The way for like mindfulness is to breathe between six and eight times per minute. They say that is the ideal range. But typically, uh, as they've studied, Americans generally are breathing 15 to 20 times per minute. And perhaps maybe you're a little bit lower than that. Maybe you're doing a little bit better than average. But we live at a very fast pace. And what they say is you actually learn this at a very young age. There's studies that have gone on with children um, in in some third world countries, and they've noticed specifically in Africa, kids in like the five to eight-year-old range, they're breathing what is ideal. It's kind of the six to eight breaths per minute range. And they've studied American kids, and American kids are breathing in the 15 to 20 breaths per minute range. It's something that you learn at a very young age. And to help us think about this, I want to just show you what it would be like if you breathe, this is six, this this video is eight times per minute. So go ahead and just play that for us. This will just give us the sounds. You can breathe with this. Let's get started with with your Pressure Perfect program. (laughs) So breathe in on that part and then breathe out on the other part. So the way we can start on the next one. One more time. So that shows you y'all are probably breathing way too fast, right? Because I'm just like, oh my goodness, I cannot do that. That is like way too long. I feel like I'm going to die if I don't get, get some, some oxygen in me soon. Even the air we breathe in the United States is very fast-paced. We're going as quick as we possibly can. We're going from thing to thing, and you learn this as a kid. What would it look like for you to just perhaps breathe a little bit deeper? to come from a deeper place, to have a perspective of joy. 
In the last chapter of the book of Philippians, Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, again, this is written from prison, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. He says, I'm not just going to tell you guys once. Let's reach back and go back again, because you need to make sure and remember this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And as you think about him, you know, writing this to this church, trying to encourage this house church along, he says something that we still desperately need to hear. Have a perspective of joy that is in your heart, that is unshakable, that's not determined by your situation or what you happen to be going through. I mean, it would be hard, honestly, for me to write this from the DMV, right? <laughs> and it'd be a struggle for me to write it when I'm in line behind that lady who pulls out 20 coupons. I mean, just like you know, maybe you are one of those people. Uh, but if, if we're living our lives, again, we're going from thing to thing to thing. That's just the air we breathe. It's what we do. And so it's hard for us to have the joy that I think Paul is writing about here. To have this perspective that says, you know, what's going on in my life, I'm going to continue to have this deep understanding of joy. And the thing is, Paul isn't like writing about being fake happy here. He's not just saying, you know, you put on a happy face and just like grit your teeth and get through it. He is helping us to understand that even though our lives are imperfect, because they are, and we're broken, the people around us are broken, it's a bad combination. And so as we experience life, there's going to be difficult things. There's going to be things that stress you out. There's going to be things that are going to be hard for you. But even as you're going through that, could you have a joy that's deeper than just what is the air around you? Could you have a deep perspective that says, yes, this is a little bit broken, messed up, and yes, I'm a part of it, but I am coming from a deeper place. The word rejoice, like its root in Greek is gift. And so he's just trying to remind them that you have a gift that is present and available to you, would you understand that you could live from that deeper place? And it isn't just like a fleeting emotion that makes you feel better once a year on Easter. It's a deep understanding of who God is, that even in the midst of this, God is up to something. And so, if Jesus conquered death, it's hard to get so stressed out about taxes. Pay your taxes, you know, give, them to, give to Caesar what's Caesar. You can't evade him for that long. But if Jesus conquered death, maybe you can work in your situation that's difficult. You have a, a terrible boss, and you have no idea how, like, that person became the boss over you in the first place. But if Jesus conquered death, maybe you can give a little more grace. Some of you are going to an Easter lunch with people that you don't really like. If Jesus conquered death, maybe you can sit with that person and hear their political views. If Jesus conquered death, maybe you don't have to live with fear and anxiety. I love one of my friends in ministry. Uh, he, he said this, and I've always stick with it. It's a quote that I literally just have in my email, so I always uh, see it. He says, he says this, 99% of the things we worry about do not ever come true. Fear is a terrible way to spend your precious life. And you can just insert whatever it is that perhaps you struggle with, you know. Anger is a terrible way to spend your precious life. Lust is a terrible way to spend your precious life, just acting like you can't have joy with what you have. 
So much of our lives, we're thinking about all this other stuff and what happens. And what if we just said, if Jesus conquered death, I can have this deep joy inside of me. Not because my situation is perfect, not because like I'm perfect, but because of who God is and because the tomb is empty. If the tomb is empty, that changes everything. And so I can be like Paul and say, rejoice in the Lord always. Oftentimes it's people who, who suffer a lot, who can tell us like deep things and help us enjoy life. I always remember uh, Marilyn Blackburn, one of the, the real matriarchs of this church. They moved to Colorado a couple years ago, but she was one of the matriarchs of this church and uh, she had cancer. And um, after she went through it, she said, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that I had it because it's helping me to realize just how precious every meal that I have with people is. It's helping me to recognize that I'm not going to be here forever. And I reflect on that. I think about that. It helps me to move forward with my life. And Paul isn't saying here, like, everybody just smile, you know, get your act together. He said there's a deeper place that you can live from. There's a joy that's possible and available to you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And then it's interesting. He, he then goes to something that you would not expect. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's kind of a weird step. If I was talking about joy, I think I'd go somewhere else than gentleness first. I think I'd say, you know, like just, you know, be really happy, sing happy songs. I think of almost a person like Richard Simmons, the fitness instructor, right? I think of someone like that that's just a little bit out of control. I was thinking about putting on some spandex for you guys today, but I decided, I decided not to. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's the, loudest, the loudest amen I've ever gotten. It's just a, a bit of an interesting switch because you'd think it would be just like, you know, well, just really be happy, you know, just do your best. We, we used to sing a song. I don't know if you ever sang this one in church, but it's like, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Yeah, you guys did. So, um, yeah, and it, it's, just, it's just super happy, you know, it's like, and that's what we can think joy is, that joy is just, you know, just, just be happy and, and get through it, and you're going to make it. But what, what Paul is showing us here is that, like, to be joyful, like, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. It's about a gentle spirit that's in the world. So you don't lash out at every little thing that happens to you. You don't have to defend yourself every time somebody attacks you. It's a non-aggressive strength, which actually is the greatest strength that there is. It's someone that isn't just going from place to place, reacting from, to thing to thing. And this is how Paul lives. It's unbelievable. He has this interaction with Jesus in the book of Acts, and he sees the risen Lord, and all of a sudden he goes from persecuting Christians to on the team of Jesus and doing unbelievable things in the name of Jesus. And he finds himself repeatedly in prison over and over again because the saying of the Roman government was, Caesar is Lord. He was going around saying, no, Jesus is Lord. And that gets you in trouble after a while. If you continue to stir up that kind of controversy, then you're going to get into trouble. And Paul just continues to say this. Just as we sang in that song, all hail King Jesus, Jesus' kingdom is here right now. We celebrate that. And we're thankful that we live in a place where, where we can worship without fear about some of the places that in some parts of the world it would be difficult for us to gather in worship. But Paul continues to have this and is willing to say that to anyone in any circumstance because he has a deep, convicting joy about the resurrection of Jesus. Because he has truly encountered the risen Lord. 
So if you want to throw me in prison, all right, I'll preach to the guards. You want to kill me? Is that the worst you can do? And in Philippians, he even says, I'm so conflicted by this. In some ways, I just want to go and be with God right now. But for your sake, I might hang around a little bit. This is just the way that Paul lived because he had a deep understanding of the resurrection. And so he says, as he talks about joy, have a gentle spirit about you. One that's going to be different than the room around you. One that's going to address things differently. Maybe you breathe a little bit closer to 10 times per minute. To not be the one who's constantly reacting to something. Let your gentleness be evident to all. When I was in middle school, I've told you before I wasn't a very good athlete, but I was uh, playing basketball, and I got a few pumps on my shoes, so I think I was, like, in, in the right place for that day. And uh, I was on fire. It was a very rare day, and just making making every shot. And this one kid who was guarding me just couldn't guard me that day. And so, like, you start talking a little smack to him, right? You just kind of just... To start to say, say a few things like, man, you can't, you can't guard me, and the Secret Service can't guard me, um, or I must be butter because I'm on a roll, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and the guy gets increasingly frustrated, and I keep making shots, and then there's a point that he, he grabbed my arm, and I turn around, and here was his fist coming at my face. And it's the only time that's ever happened. Uh, Mandy will tell you I'm a lover, not a fighter. And so it's the only time someone has has thrown a punch uh, in my direction. And so I wasn't super prepared for it. And I just, he he punched me and I just kind of took it like right, right straight to the mouth. And the only thing that I had on my side that day was I was in middle school, so I had braces. And so he punched me and he's the one who jumps back in pain. (laughs) And I was actually hurting, but I got to just stand there like, what? I mean, it literally, I'll tell you, now I've had two kids in my marriage. Those are better, but like, it's probably the number five highest moment of my life. I mean, it was pretty awesome. (laughs) It's definitely like on that list because it's pretty sweet to be able to like have an unbelievable day on the basketball court and then get punched and just be like, what? I mean, I was like a legend, at least in my mind, for, for a few hours. And it was even better because I got to go home afterwards and tell my parents the story. And they were just like, wow, you acted so Christ-like. And I was like, yeah, I was really just, I was, I was right. I was right there uh, with Jesus. And yeah, I've, I've never been punched uh, before, um, then in or since actually physically. But I feel like emotionally, punches come my way. And they come to you as well. And I have to tell you, I don't always just have that presence about me to say, you know what, I'm I'm willing to stand here and not lose my cool. I'm willing to stand here and just continue to show you love even though I don't really want to. I'm willing to be this non-anxious presence. I'm going to be somebody who As Paul would say, you have this joy, so you're going to have this gentleness. You're going to have a certain sort of spirit in you that should make people go, wait, what is up with you? Like, people usually respond to me like this, and there's just something about the way that you live that's different. 
What would it look like for you to have that gentle spirit? Because punches are thrown at us from time to time. And again, probably not physical, hopefully not. But we have things that happen to us that can make us act in ways that we know are not good. And I've seen people at times um, get in situations where perhaps they were treated unjustly, and I would say, you know, they, they were treated unjustly, but they've responded in unchristian ways to unjust things. I've done that. I haven't been somebody who has, like, the joy of God that is so deep inside me. It's so easy to just react to whatever's happening. Does anybody else feel like the world is just kind of crazy right now? What would it look like for you to be the calm, cool, collected one in the room? And I'm not saying there's not stuff to, to think about and to have hard conversations with. Issues like immigration or, or terrorism, as we've just seen this morning, it's, it's, it's hard stuff. It's difficult stuff. It's like Paul writing from prison, right? But what would it look like for you to say, you know, God has worked in complex times before. This isn't the first time. God's not overwhelmed. God's not stressed out. And so, yeah, there's some punches being thrown in my direction, but I'm going to stand in a different way, not because of myself, but because of who God is. Paul continues and says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Don't be anxious about anything. And he mentions three different types of prayer. One is kind of a wish. You know, you're you're wishing for something the way that we would often pray. Uh, The other is basically a type of prayer that's like help, you know, like when you see the police lights in your rearview mirror, like that kind of prayer. Um, And then there's like a list, you know, coming to God, here's the things that I hope that you can work. It's the kind of prayers that we we all pray. So he lists like all three, and he's like, anyone will work, basically. Just open yourself up to God. Open your spirit. You're not intended to carry it all. Understand that this isn't God's first time running through some of this stuff. One of the things that's great about our world, and I love it, our world is at our fingertips. And that's great, and that's terrible. Because things that you never had to worry about before, suddenly you're like having some brain space on it. Imagine explaining to, like, your great-great-grandpa the anxiety you feel because someone didn't like your Instagram post. Or trying to explain to, to George Washington, like, why you're so stressed out about this email. They just say, what? And again, it's nice in some ways. There's convenience about the world that we live in. There also is a lot of added anxiety. What would it look like for you to be a person who has the joy of God so deep inside you? Not because your situation is perfect, but because the tomb is empty. Because if Jesus conquered death, what do you have to fear? So Paul writes this letter from prison, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again. 
rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Open yourself through prayer to God. Don't be anxious about anything. What if you read that passage just every single day? You said, yeah, this thing isn't perfect. Life is hard at times, but I am going to say, you know, whatever is happening, if Paul can write this from prison, then I can have a non-anxious presence. I can have a gentleness that is evident even as punches are being thrown my way. What would it look like for you to have a spirit and a presence in the world that people would just go, wait, what? Why do you have that joy? Why do you have that, that deep like sense of God's goodness in the world? Why aren't you reacting like everybody else? It was great to have the opportunity to do the Be the Church Sunday last week, which Lars talked about. It was just a really great day of service, and I'm thankful for everybody who participated and led some of the teams that um, we got to do some wonderful things, like 15 different service projects that, that were just way beyond our walls. And it was fun hearing you guys come up with ideas and give me some thoughts on what we could do to try and just be a blessing to the community. And one of my favorite interactions, I called the nursing home that's right down the street from us. I was just kind of explaining what we were doing. Like, we're just going to come and um, deliver something. Uh, she, the person told me roses are probably the best thing because people have like different dairy, di- different dietary issues. And so I was just kind of explaining like what we were doing and um, she just had this moment like, wait, are you selling something? Or like, do they have to give something to, the, to your church? Like, are you expecting them to come to your church? And I was just like, no. We just want to do something good in the name of Jesus. And when she finally got it, she was like, wait. These aren't usually the kind of phone calls I get. And Janelle and her team took a bunch of great stuff over there, including donuts for the staff, so I'm sure they're wanting us to come back now. (laughs) What would it look like to have the joy of God so deep in you that people just said, wait, what? As we were preparing for that Sunday, I was talking with, with our son, Carter, who's five years old, and I was kind of explaining, okay, here's, here's what we're going to be doing. And so I, I told him that one of the things we were doing is having people draw pictures for kids who are in Ronald McDonald House in Los Angeles. And so Carter is in a crazy bird phase right now. That's why you'll see him. He's wearing a bird shirt because he absolutely loves birds. And so I was kind of explaining to him about that and how he's going to be able to draw some pictures for kids. And uh, I said, you could draw them some pictures of birds. And without missing a beat, he said, but I want to draw what they like. So wait, what moment for me as a dad? Carter's not an angel all the time, so just FYI. (laughs) But what does it look like for us as a faith community to pass on the message of Jesus in such a way that our kids would say, I want to draw what they like? What would it look like for us to live with the joy of God in us? I'd like to have the worship team come back up as we are closing this morning. I asked Nick to strum a few notes of a song that you are uh, likely familiar with. But one of the things that I think is an issue in our world, part of the reason why it's hard for us to have this joyous perspective is, again, the world is at our fingertips. I think often movement and motion get confused with productivity. 
this busyness is like king. We want to look like we're busy. We want to pretend like we're busy. But what would it look like for us to have a certain stillness, to be able to sometimes pause and to have a different perspective? Nick, whenever, whenever you're ready. All right, we're not gonna sing. We're not gonna sing "Smoke on the Water," even though you guys would want to. We're not gonna make it like the smoke is the Holy Spirit or something. We're not gonna do that. But what makes a song like that and like it's so, so memorable, and you all just know what song he's playing right when he starts playing it is it's not just the notes; it's also the pauses, right? It's like do 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 do. It's like playing the notes and being intentional about the notes, but then it's also coming up for air every once in a while and getting back into it. It's playing a certain way with intention. I think it's a good illustration for how I think we should try to live our lives. That we would have times where we pause and we're more intentional about the note that we are sending out next. Where we don't just like respond in the moment just because we can. We spend some time being still and knowing how to reply to that email. Or we spend time being still and know about how it is that we're going to reply to that text. We spend some time being still and know because what makes a song like that so powerful, it's not just the notes, it's the pauses. So may we find ways to pause and to be intentional about joy. Because Paul writes this letter 2,000 years ago, words that still I struggle with, and I don't know that I always do a great job of living this out. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice. Not because my situation is perfect, but because of who my God is and because the tomb is empty. Because if God is for us, because if God is with us, then who can be against us? May we find times to learn how to breathe, to breathe in and out the sustaining love and joy of God. And yes, you will face challenges. It will be difficult at times. But may you learn how to pause in such a way that you would send a message with your life in the world that people go, wait, what? Let your gentleness be evident to all. If you're here and you'd like to find out how you can be connected to our church, if you want to talk about what it looks like to connect your life to Jesus through baptism, I'll be down front. I'd love to talk with, with you and find out wherever you are on your faith journey. One of my favorite things about ministry is being able to connect with new people constantly and to hear where they are in their story with Jesus. But may we all, whether you're someone who's been a Christian for a long time or you're just wondering about this, you're not even sure if it's for you, may we all understand what it looks like for us to be intentional about the joy that we have. Because if the tomb is empty, what's against us? May we understand how to pause at times and to live our lives using notes that ask people, give people the question, wait, what is going on with you? 
May we understand that joy isn't just like a fleeting emotion. It's something that comes from deep inside of us because of the resurrection of Jesus. Let's stand and sing together uh, the song, Nothing But the Blood, as we reflect on the blood of Jesus Christ that changes everything for all of us.